Hello and welcome to Anomaly Presents, the podcast where we talk about movies because we started a film festival where we like movies and we decided that we couldn't just talk about movies for four days. My name is Matt Knotts. Um, we are here to uh, to talk about a, a, a kind of genre redefining movie. Um, we find every few years, you know, the the, the action genre is redefined. Um, it started with uh, Speed. A few years later, we had The Matrix. And... Um, now we've got John Wick. I don't know how, but it seems like every, you know, 10 years or so, Keanu Reeves decides to flip the script on us. And now we just have new action movies. Um, I'm super stoked to uh, come off the back of that upbeat number and talk about a fucking dog dying with my friends here. <laughs> Easy, no. <laughs> Say, wait to ease into that. <laughs> We know why we're all here. A puppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go around the room to our uh, our cabal of assassins here. We've got uh, Adam Lubito. I'm pissed off and ready for blood. Let's do this. <laughs> you sound like it. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm the most angry I've ever heard you sound. <laughs> I'll take I'll take that. I'll take that as a compliment. She's not the boogeyman, but she can boogie. It's Kristen Pelkacheco. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> We've got the silent assassin. It's Vanessa Cheeks. Hey. Yeah. And from the Food About Town podcast, uh, and I think, aren't you a a Continental Platinum VIP member? It's Chris Lindstrom. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're not, who are you really? <laughs> <laughs> so the genesis of talking about John Wick came up, oh gosh, what was it? Maybe just after the festival back in November? Um, yeah, I think so. And it, it's been this long in the making. Um, Chris, what, what made you want to come on and, and talk about John Wick? Oh, wow. So I'm an action fan since I've been a kid. The movie my dad and I watched over and over when I was a kid was Under Siege, which I'm not sure is a movie anybody should be watching with a child. That the one with Steven Seagal? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah, no, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Check that right off the list. Yeah, he was the cook. It was <laughs> great. Cook. Yeah. Dad-daughter bonding time. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've had a love of action movies my whole life, and usually it's the ones that are done really well that have grabbed me. But what I want to talk about before we dive into John Wick, this is an important detour, is there's a subgenre of action movies that I love the most, where John Wick is, I think, the perfect version of this movie. So let me set the stage for a moment. Ooh. Picture a film where there's a person who was the best. And they'd left their profession of choice. Due to extraordinary circumstances, they've been brought back in and they have to kill everyone. And they do. (laughs) So that is my favorite genre of action film. And John Wick is the perfect version of that movie. It's a very specific genre. Yeah. I have a list of uh, approximately 20 films that match (laughs) that genre. (laughs) <laughs> in his thesis he will <laughs> drop the list on letterbox let's all enjoy it 
<laughs> I will make this list for everybody to enjoy on Letterboxd. Follow me, Stromy, on Letterboxd. Not that I have much on there, but I will make this list for everybody if you want more of this particular genre of film. Oh, we're all here for one reason. Yeah, I am on board with this. I want to see yeah. this list. Yes. So I'll just a couple examples. Taken, great example. Mm-hmm. Um, Under Siege works. Kill Bill works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was the best. She had to kill everybody. In fact, she did kill everybody. <laughs> oh, so many good versions. Also, we think this film is a story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so I have a bunch. But John Wick, perfect version of that movie. And Keanu Reeves says so few things and it's great. That's one thing I really noticed about this movie. Like the, the dialogue really doesn't start for about 25 minutes. Like I think the most dialogue you had was coming off of the cell phone as he's watching the, the video of his wife on the beach. Yeah, I mean, she does some phenomenal acting in this movie, saying the same line over and over again once. It's, I mean, Bridget Moynihan is used to her I mean, it's, she is, by the way, the biggest female influence this movie. Wait, Adrian Palicki is great in this too, I have to admit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. I'll do credit, yeah. Yes. She is fantastic. Um, But yeah, I think the dialogue is really, really awful. And, but in a way that never feels like you should have more dialogue. Oh, absolutely not. But we were watching it again last night and and we were watching it and, and Kara just looked at me and went, Boy, they really tell a lot, don't they? I was like, yeah, but it's because we have to get to these really cool action scenes where there's not a move lost. Like there's such an economy of motion there that you just have to get through, you know, it's almost like the the rests between the the pieces of music, you know? Well, yeah. Watching it this time, I, I actually really liked that like introduction of the backstory, like the economy of that storytelling, just like the bare minimum. Here's a few quick shots, like a couple lines of dialogue tells you everything you need to know about where he is right now. And I, I kind of love that. I, I, I thought that worked really well. And in that short period of time, I think, too, you, you still get emotionally attached. It makes sense. <laughs> of course, he would murder everyone for this dog. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> His wife gave it to him. <laughs> that was an innocent dog. He's a man with a code. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it all makes sense. And then once the killing starts, you're like, yeah, I'm on board. I'm here for this. <laughs> no, listen, they give you a believable concept, and then they're like, you really don't need to know anything else. You know he's the best. You know they murdered his dog, and he now needs to murder everyone else who gets in his way to get to Alfie Allen. Oh! Gonna, <laughs> and the, the casting of Alfie Allen, I feel like, does a lot of heavy lifting, too. You're like, yeah, that guy needs to be punished. He has a punch. He, <laughs> he has a punchable face. He has a punchable face. It's just- not his fault. <laughs> But I love that he chooses roles that just leans into it. He's like, yeah, I know who I am. I know what my skills are. I'm on board. Yeah. Guy with the punchable face. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think he woke up one morning and just looked in the mirror and went, fuck, I would punch myself in the face so hard. Wait. After Lily, Allen no, came out with that song. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was what it was. Yeah. <laughs> we can thank Lily Allen for, for the catalyst to Alfie Allen's career. She's like, listen, I'm sick of your crap. I wrote a song about it. <laughs> You're a dipshit. You're going to be the unlikable Sean Bean for the rest of your career. People will rejoice in death. <laughs> but I think sometimes what makes some action movies like really great is 
that you don't have to necessarily worry about the plot. It can be as simple as it needs to be. We pick up the rest ourselves and then the action itself carries it, right? Mm -hmm. Like another movie I think of is Haywire, right? That yeah. Gene Carano cannot could, cannot act, <laughs> but you get great action sequences, yeah. so it's fine. <laughs> Don't speak ill of Gina Carano. Have you not seen Deadpool? Okay, I mean, the, right, she's the range of emotion. She had to find the niche. She's not a leading lady. <laughs> she's not. Then she's the protagonist of that movie. <laughs> she she definitely went to the Cynthia Rothrock School for Acting. That that's for sure. <laughs> If you've seen the American Ninja movies, um, that's a deep Cinemax cut for you. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, Gina Carano, I, I think maybe her best work is in The Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Simple lines, gruff, yeah. and gets to beat the crap out of people. Check, check, check. She, <laughs> next to a completely motionless mask, she can emote. Yeah. So, Listen, I, I swoon. Pick me up. Carry me in your arms. Let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Who's to I'm argue? I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm a sucker for movies that where the the action choreography is so elaborate that it's like it's like a dance sequence, like where you just sit back and just watch these stunt performers do their thing. That like, there's nothing better. Like when there's an action movie that just yeah just plants the camera watch this and then they do their thing it's just oh, perfect well and, and i think that's yeah I, I think it's a great point but also the that this movie was kind of the turn one of the turning points in action filming because for a while the big trend was born identity fastest just, possible yeah. so the actor had to do as little of the action as is humanly possible while in this, everything was almost everything was longer cuts where Ken Reeves actually did all the action or the vast majority of the action in the film, which is why it's more believable because he actually did all the all the motions mm -hmm. it actually kind of worked. What's yeah. unfortunate about like because I personally like this style more. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of martial art movies where you're watching these people do these intricate choreographed pieces. And then the Born Identity has them doing that. They are doing these intricate things, but the way that it's shot cuts up the style. And then everyone that tried to recreate that show, like the perfect example is that movie where Liam Neeson's jumping over a fence and they have 16 <laughs> shots of him jumping over the fence. No, that's that not what three? that was. So, yeah. Why are you making us suffer through this? <laughs> yeah. Jumping over a goddamn fence. We don't need year old man who couldn't jump a fence. Yeah. yeah. Six-year-old man also doesn't have soy sauce colored hair. <laughs> The wigs in the action movies are always weak. <laughs> well, you have to skim somewhere to get the, the, the stunt crew on board. So if it has to be the wig. <laughs> Comes out of the wig budget, everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I, <laughs> this, like, something that I really noted about this that I love, too, is that Keanu Reeves and, like, his character, John Wick, across all three movies, just gets his ass beat it's like non-stop he's not like is he the best yes but people really give him a run for his money time and time again and i think i was reading because i had seen this a couple of times that like as far as action stars go he's like very respectful about that and showing that and open to it as opposed to the rumors of like jason statham and the rock where they count how many hits they get they negotiate battle like 
fight scenes yeah. and who gets to beat the crap out of who the most. Like, come on. Like, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's all about whatever it takes to make them look cool, like at the expense of everything yeah. else. Right. And I think, too, like it adds to that idea of like, you want to know that yes, Reeves is the best. Sorry, we lost you there, Vanessa. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know Keanu Reeves is the best. I think I got that. Translation. To <laughs> make it, like, I, I like that anticipation, especially during a fight, because, oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Good? Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> so I was going to say, you want to, like, no, be unsure that he's going to make it. And I think, like, being able to see him get his ass beat definitely helps that. And yeah. it definitely pulls the story along too, because you never know, like, is he going to get back up? Is he going to get up every time it, it loses that, that essence? And also it kind of gives you an opportunity to see other good fighters. Yes, John Wick is a great fighter. You know, he does kick ass, but hey, look at this other bad guy. Like, he's a badass too. Let's see him, you know, throw him through a glass window and throw him down a flight of stairs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. It- it sells that world where there everyone is a professional assassin that it's not mm-hmm. like he just comes in and mows down everyone. You're like, okay, yeah, these are also, it's also scenes where like there's that professional courtesy between them. They're like, we're all, we're all in this, this business. We know what we're all about. And it, it kind of helps that helps sell that. Yeah. And I think the first one, I think it's, as you go on in a series, the reason I wanted to talk about John wick one is as you go through any series, it tends to become more, not necessarily better, but almost every series becomes more as it goes along. Like John Wick 2 is a lot more than John Wick 1. John Wick 3 is more than 2. Fast and the Furious, like you brought up, is a great example. I mean, by the last, I just saw Fate of the Furious. Um, Like, Finn Diesel is a goddamn superhero in that movie. Oh, it's He's five foot five. And he's throwing people like he's Captain fucking America. <laughs> and <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But it's not that I don't enjoy it, but like John Wick 3 is an amazing movie. It's so huge and he's doing such amazing things. It's not as blatant as Fate of the Furious, of course. But John Wick 1 is so much more restrained, which is why it, it seems more believable to me anyways absolutely no i i think it's kind of the same evolution you had with john mcclain right in die hard i mean he gets his oh. his ass <laughs> and his lunch stolen for most of that movie like right vanessa um oh, i love die hard <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're my die- favorite movies <laughs> yeah, me too. i i think they're awesome but like die hard one he's very vulnerable you know and by the time you get to whatever it was Die Hard 4, is that what it was? Die Hard on a plane where he's like riding on the right. wing like a gremlin. And, he's never and, on the plane, okay? He's never on a plane. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, as it goes on, it just, any franchise you get, your your main character evolves into, like like you said, Chris, it's Captain America. It, it's, it's, you know, he's going to throw a, a manhole cover through a, a cockpit and that's John McClane who the guy in the, the first one, you know, couldn't get his lighter to light, to light his cigarette. You know, it's Maybe like the John Wick series is him truly Die becoming. Hard, though, that... Go ahead. <laughs> 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 well, I was going to say, I was like the John Wick series is him truly becoming. 
going to be quiet. You're going to go. Okay, Vanessa. <laughs> what do you love about Die Hard? Die Hard. <laughs> oh, we lost her. <laughs> I what, I, what I was going to say is, what I love about Die Hard is, Jack McClane always has this idea of like, is this going to work? <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> It's, uh, it's it's one of the greatest things about it is that he's he's so believable. Everything about it, you know, it's again one of the things we always talked about. The one of the few things you can't do in an action movie: don't take off your shoes. There's ramifications. You know, everything had ramifications in that movie. In the John Wick movie, things had things had ramifications if you did something wrong. Until Willem Dafoe saves your ass over and over again. Ah, uh, gone too soon. <laughs> but i will say i do love the john wick series as it gets bigger and weirder because this this one the first one is slightly more grounded and kind of hints at this weird world that it's set in and so the, the uh chapter two is my favorite because that's i i love that it just is like you know we are gonna double down on this weird mythology everything is you know through gold coins and the continental and it's you know the web of intrigue that spreads around the world and everyone on this planet is actually a secretly an assassin. Like I was so on board with that. So I love that it got bigger and I, I definitely think it doesn't work for every movie, but for whatever reason, this one, I was like, yes, this works for me. Yeah. Um, and I think two was the good balance point because one yeah. was, it was the, it was the appetizer. It was the amuse-bouche to the John Wick universe to be a food nerd for a moment, shock and awe. Um, John Wick 2 was, it brought it to a level where I thought it was very comfortable. Three, I thought it went a bit too far, although I love the adjudicator. Uh, they're, they're fantastic in that movie. And it's, three is amazing and it goes so over the top in such an enjoyable way. But what I wanted, my favorite in John Wick 1 is how little he talks and my favorite line of his is where he says no dialogue and it's it's when um the bad guy's talking to him on the phone right after yep. he finds out that <laughs> his son you know beat up john wick killed his dog and stole his car and wick hangs up the phone has having said nothing and mayhem from the commercials asks him what he said and the bad guy says enough it's it's my favorite line in any movie it's, I mean, it's right up there. It's just every time I watch it, I just like, mm, this is awesome. <laughs> it's the most badass anybody has been since Clint Eastwood without saying a word. Absolutely. <laughs> John, the John Wick movies make me miss having a landline with a phone where you could just, no, because literally every single movie, there is at least one interaction where somebody's like talking somebody's ear off and just, <laughs> oh. <laughs> The John Wick world is fascinating to me because I'm I'm not 100% sure, and this might just be my, my you know, lack of understanding, but I have no idea what time or, or anything it takes place in because there's landline phones, but there's modern cars. It's odd. So I just think it's an alternate universe. Is that right? Yeah, the, 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 I definitely think it's, yeah, alternate universe. Um, the thing that I always, always confused me is like, what is the value of one of those coins? It seems like Everything costs one coin, whether it's like a, a gun, a dinner, a, it's like, how much are those worth? <laughs> let's, going let's, into the bar is one coin. Disposing of a body, one coin. Exactly. I mean, 
that is that is the one thing that I'm like, wait, explain that to me. It's the world's <laughs> it's greatest cool currency. Bar, yeah, mm. pretty cool bar. Oh, that that bar rules. I would hang out at that bar all the time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, are we drinking? Okay. <laughs> oh, I am. Yeah, take a pause. <laughs> Everybody's getting a little. I drunk. do love Ian McShane. I'm always happy to oh. see him. I really love Deadwood, so it's always a pleasure. Yeah, he's also great in American Gods. Like he's great in everything. Like who am I kidding? Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna, yeah never disappointed to see him. You just list his filmography. He's great in X. Also, why in Hot Rod? <laughs> yes. Yep. I, I saw that for the first time not that long ago. I mean, quarantine does weird things to a person. Um, really enjoyable, terrible movie. <laughs> I really like that movie a lot. It, it's it's up there. I, I'm a, a soft spot for the Lonely, Lonely Island at all. So, like, Hot Rod is amazing to me. You know, Pop Star. Oh, Pop Star. Underappreciated. MacGruber. Yeah. That one's next on my list of terrible Saturday Night Live movies to watch, so. That will, I, I don't want to get you too hyped for it, but that will probably become your favorite. If you're a big action movie guy, it, it's so far up your alley because it is every 80s action movie cliche you could ever think of. It's fantastic. Sounds fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit because we were talking about that, that through line of, of John Wick having the code and the long shot of the the action scenes and it's very deliberately paced when you have the action, every, you know, every motion has a reason for it. And there's that through line from the martial arts movies that we kind of all grew up on, or at least most of us here to that. Right. So it it is almost like your modern day samurai movie. I'm sure you have a couple of those on your list if I had a guess. Um, But I I kind of find it's a black hole. It's a black hole in my, uh, in my knowledge, this is something you and I are going to have to talk about so I can get some of those to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting to me because I think I did a little bit of research on, on the folks that made this movie and they were the stunt coordinators from the matrix. This is all kind of spillover from the matrix a little bit. So that's why you see some of the folks from the cast and that. Um, yeah. The, the, I was just gonna say the directors, uh, Chad Stileski and, uh, David Leach, um, Chad Stileski, it was actually the, uh, Keanu Reeves stunt double for the matrix movies, is that right? which I thought was an awesome connection. But awesome. continue, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But I, I found it interesting that they kind of took those those inspirations and brought them to a, a modern version of that with, with this movie. I thought it was kind of cool that they they updated it. And again, just kind of course corrected from that like green grass, super fast cut, you know, almost seasick during the, the action scenes to every bullet has a purpose in this movie. Like, I think the only time he misses is when he's in the, the bathhouse shooting at, at Alfie Allen, right? I think that's the only maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't, the other uh, one of the, the head guards, when he fell off the balcony, he missed him when he was shooting up at towards the balcony. Right. In the red circle. Yeah, it's, he, he doesn't miss much. No, he, he's quite good. The sniping towards the end <laughs> is otherworldly. <laughs> And I do like that it's a subtitle for the movie John Wick. He's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. I don't know if it's the pacing, the look, the music, everything about it. When I had been been watching all three of these, was it's one of the best video game, not video game movies I've ever seen. Like I don't, 
they just get the feel of it, the pacing. I don't know. It just it reminds me of like Grand Theft Auto or like some first person shooters. Like I I just I don't know. It it just it gets it, and I don't know why not video game video game movies are better than video game movies. I don't know where the disconnect is. <laughs> this is absolutely a better Hitman movie than the Hitman movie. Oh God, I don't even remember the plot to that, and I saw that at the movie theater. Like. I did too. It was really awful. I, it's one of the very few movies I actually considered walking out on. I oh, think I I hate it. But yeah, Hitman 2. Yeah, definitely that vibe where I'm just like, I don't, I, I love this and I wish whatever the gods who decide to produce and create video game movies just did something like this. <laughs> well, that's why I think it kind of skews like. Right. They're trying to make an action movie rather than skew to the video game fans will come see this. So we need to make sure that we get the shot of Timothy Oliphant's the back of his head so we can get the barcode because that's what it looks like in the video game. You know what I mean? Instead, it's just like, let's make this look as badass as we can. Yeah. Um, so oh, speaking of video game movies, uh, shout out to our, our good friend, um, Kevin Nash. This is our, our second Kevin Nash film. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody picked up on that, but he is the bouncer outside the club when you go into the Red Circle Club. Oh, oh I didn't pick up on that. No, nope. Fran- Francis, the guy that's smoking the cigarette, he's like, you got the night off. It's Kevin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, sexy in the flesh. Come on now. There he is. Sorry, I completely <laughs> spaced because he wasn't wearing the bandana from Dead right? or Alive. Yeah. I- <laughs> he didn't. You have the NWO symbol either. I mean, come on. That's yeah, right. Yeah, really threw me for a loop. <laughs> this is how broken my wrestling brain is. It was that long shot of the guy just standing there as people walked in, and I went, oh, it's Kevin Nash, because I know what he's shaped like in a long shot. <laughs> Very familiar. <laughs> I can say this, I don't know what it says about my lack of wrestling knowledge, that I was like, of course I didn't recognize him. I didn't, he didn't have the thong on that I only know him from the Magic Mike movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like how each one of He's us not is like uniform. very specific <laughs> reference point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think my favorite thing about that, Adam, is that your idea of Kevin Nash's career starts at Super Shredder and then picks back up at Tarzan, and there's 25 yeah. years in between. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Adam is Magic Mike for life. <laughs> Absolutely. Someday I'm going to make you guys watch that movie. I'm going to figure out how that can be qualified as a genre movie so we can chat about it on this podcast. Yes, I've already seen it. What do you mean? Yeah, well, again, no, I will make try, you watch tr- it again. Yeah, trick the masses into watching it. We we got to have a tab in the podcast like spreadsheet for movies we love that we have to try to shoehorn Shoe. into the genre. Like... <laughs> Because yeah. I know Magic Mike is in there, and we've talked about A League of Their Own numerous oh, yeah. times. <laughs> I feel like we could probably kind of wedge Magic Mike 2 in as fantasy, right? Is that something we could kind of backdoor on, if you'll pardon the I phrase? mean, it's my fantasy. <laughs> Ma'am! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Because <laughs> once we start talking about Keanu Reeves' dreamy eyes, you're going to go right off the rails. So let's just... <laughs> I mean that that beautiful those beautiful staring eyes when he thrusts the knife into your abdomen in the red circle is it was just entrancing. Listen, so let me break it down for you. <laughs> 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 I 
perfect segue into KP's fanfic corner here. Yay! Here it is. favorite. Wickfic. Yeah, Wickfic. Yeah, Vanessa. So I'm just trying to find some good, wholesome fic about John Wick and his dog. You know what I mean? That's all girl wants. Simple. All right. No, these heathens out here, that's not what they want. (laughs) (laughs) Number one in the ship category, which is like 90% of the John Wick fic, is John Wick slash reader. So it's... (laughs) It's the reader fantasizing being with John Wick, which... <laughs> no, no, I that's mean, not what we're in here for. <laughs> On the other hand, I, I get it. Oh, yeah, that's what I... <laughs> I mean, it, this, this doesn't seem like proper fan fiction. Shouldn't it be with Alfie Allen? Like, no, actually, the, so number two in there is the... Um, was his name Santino from the second film? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I was like, the man blew up his house. All of his memories of his wife snuffed out. And y'all want to write fic about them being together. I can't. <laughs> I would think for the second one of all people, it'd be uh, Common. Absolutely. Common is, he's a stoic. Ooh, right? He's pretty fantastic. The intense stares as they're trying to murder each other in the, exactly. the subway platform. Like, <laughs> Clearly, I found the fan fiction that I need to write. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Vanessa I mean, and I want to write, what was his name? It's Sharon, right? And the yeah, dog, yeah. the shenanigans mm-hmm. that they get into in the Continental. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is the most find, wholesome fan fiction ever. Right? I did find one fic about John Wick and his dog. It was enjoyable. A little sad because we had to talk about Daisy in the front end. But but the other fic I liked and was not expecting to stumble upon was a crossover with Batman, not Batman, but Jason Todd. So they Jason Todd is familiar with the Continental and they know each other and like work a job together. So that is really thick fan fiction where you're onto like you're onto like second not not to say Jason Todd is second or third yeah. tier Robin, but he's second and third tier Robin. <laughs> And here, Robin and John Wick. That's very thick, deep fan fiction. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I wanted more. It was only a little one shot. So, was he Red Hood though? They don't refer to him as Red Hood. He just refers to himself as Jason Todd. See, I really like where this episode has gone. I'm very, I'm very comfortable. <laughs> I'm going to go one level deeper. So I just watched an episode of Teen Titans Go the other day. Um, and Robin referred to himself as everybody's favorite Robin. And the rest of the Teen Titans just went, he's like, you know, everybody's favorite Robin. Robin. And the rest of the Titans went, oh, Jason Todd. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, no. <laughs> and Raven goes, Carrie Kelly is my favorite. She's great. <laughs> Teen Titans Go is a blessing on this earth. It's great, and I don't want to hear anybody complain about it. There's, there's no, no it's justice. fun. Young Justice is the one, though. Yeah, you got Young Justice was came cool. back. Yeah, it's just a good time. Like, I need to watch it. I've only seen the movie, which the we should absolutely hilarious. talk about on this podcast. But yeah, oh, yeah I, I'll, I love the I movie. Will add it. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, it, it's one of the f- most fun TV shows because it's it just takes nothing seriously, including the entire you know. DC universe to the point that they're doing what was it the scavenger hunt or the garage sale at the Batcave, and there was the the urn with Jason Todd labeled on it and a crowbar <laughs> leaning against it. 
<laughs> just in the background. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, when I went to go see the Teen Titans Go movie, I think I had a bad day. And so I'm like, I'm just going to go by myself. It's summertime, I think, when that movie came out. So yeah. it's me and a bunch of kids with their parents. And I'm sitting next to this little girl who is just not laughing at all. And I'm losing it. Like, <laughs> every joke, even, like, the corny fart jokes, like, I'm just losing it. And this poor child is stuck next to me miserable. Like. <laughs> 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 so back to the other left. I was going to say, reel us back. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, what I noticed last night, because we'll, we'll kind of keep it on the, the, the comedy train, it, it is sneaky funny at times. Um, it, all I could think of was the, the Looney Tunes with the sheepdog and the fox. Or the, you know what I mean, where they were hunting and then at the end of the day they'd punch out. That's all I could think of in the Continental when he's talking to Larry or, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he finishes taking out all of the thugs at the house and then the policeman's there and, it, hey, Jimmy, how's it going? You know, <laughs> you working like again? Right. I think the good thing is that Wick doesn't nod to the camera at all. Like there's no, he's not intentionally funny, but the world around him is so extreme is that it provides, provides that levity. And I think that it continues through the series, but he continues to be stoic. He continues to be humorless. And, you know, when a policeman shows up and there's a pile of bodies in this contemporary mansion that he lives in, (laughs) he's like, Working again? I mean, that's hilarious. Who's not going to laugh at that? <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then he calls friend of the festival, David Patrick Kelly, to come in and set up dinner for 12. <laughs> <laughs> I do also love on the comedy that his nickname is Baba Yaga, and Baba Yaga is an old woman. <laughs> yeah, just an old crone. <laughs> that- <laughs> <laughs> that that is the thing that that strikes fear into the hearts of hardened criminals everywhere is Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, <laughs> fantastic! I did find for the playlist a uh, Chiquette. Was it? Oh God! I did find a song called Baba Yaga that I am excited. So coming soon on our Spotify playlists, uh, we do have one specific to John Wick. If you want to, you know. Walk down the street like a badass. Pretend you're John Wick. Throw that on. Yeah, and listen to Marilyn Manson over and over again. Yeah, yeah. no, this is what I'm going to say. I don't think we have much, if any, Marilyn Manson on there. So I'm going to say that it may, it's maybe better than the actual soundtrack to the film. You have someone in the eye. <laughs> I say that Mar- I'm not a Manson fan. My wife is, but that song, I love that song in this movie. I say, yeah, pretty, I dug yeah, that song. It is pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think any of the songs that we've, I put most of them on there right now. Matt's got to put them, a couple more. I have a but, um, <laughs> It's okay. When you're feeling inspired, when the time is there, that's, that's all it is. I want I to rewatch it. I put any of the songs that are in the any of the movies in there. It's just songs that make me think about it. Oh, that, that's awesome. That are in there. And that's really cool. What all that is on there. I think you've got, you know, if you want blood, you've got it. Which is great. Weapon of choice I put on there yesterday. Weapon of choice. <laughs> um, I put "Bring Us Bullets" by uh, Rocket from the Crypt on there. Which, if you've seen Crank, that's the song over the credits on Crank. Um, we'll, we'll use double duty there. Um, <laughs> kind of the antithesis of Crank, this movie, but 
still. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So coming soon, you can, you know, run around your, your neighborhood or just stalk menacingly around your neighborhood, um, pretending you're John Wick to that, that, that playlist. Put on your best suit. <laughs> Pretend like you have those gold coins. Get your pennies out. Yeah. If you, you, if you can find Susan B dollars, fill your pocket with Susan B dollars. Very Rochester. I like it. Yeah, we, we try to keep a theme here. Um, <laughs> so, hmm, where do we want to go? Anything else we wanted to talk about here? I feel like there's so much we haven't, we've kind of just scratched the surface. But, well, and I think that's, that's what John Wick 1 is, though. It is, it is scratching the surface. But it's, I think it's all, all those, for me, it's all those little moments. You know, I don't think... Vigo Tarasov is a great bad guy. He's no Hans Gruber, but he provides that menacing backbone to two thirds of the movie, three quarters of the movie anyways. Like when he punches his son because he doesn't understand everything's setting up how awesome John Wick is. And it's all those, for me, it's the little moments that set up how awesome it is. It's not, they, they told it, but didn't show it, which in this case actually worked for me more than if they showed it, you know? And I, those are, those are my favorite moments of the movie is just all those things that build him up as awesome. And that's why, that's why I love this movie. Yeah. I, I think um, the fact that they told it before they showed it, they really built him to be something, you know what I mean? They, they yeah. really spent a lot of time hyping the fact that he was the boogeyman's boogeyman. He was, you know, the baddest man on the planet, which if you spend that much time building that, when you finally see him in action, he's going to have to be incredible. Um, and I think the movie does something very special in the fact that it delivered, you know, if, if that first battle with those folks kind of, you know, the, the people kind of invading the house, you know, that the, the siege on his house, if that went sideways at all, if you didn't believe that at all, this movie would have been trash. Nobody would have paid attention to it. You know, if it had been yeah. a quick cut, Paul Greengrass, like just flashes and, 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 you know, two frame cuts. I don't know that we'd have three movies and we'd still be talking about it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think when he's, when he's hammering the floor to pull his guns out, you believed that he was, despite the fact that he doesn't emote, you felt that emotion when he was doing that because it was the lack of emotion all the other times, it just felt like he was emotionally drained when he was hammering the floor to bring back his old life. And that, I, those are the things that make me smile every time. Just like, Oh, that's just so well done. Oh yeah. And kind of the, the way the character evolves without saying anything, you can just see it in him to the point that when he's sat down in that chair in front of um, Vigo, you know, kind of when he's ready to, to take him out and, and they're talking it over and he has that whole speech about, you know, I, I didn't think I was back. And now I know, you know, like, Oh shit. He wasn't even at a hundred percent yet. No, I think no. too, yeah, you can feel that reluctancy throughout the whole film. And then he's like, you know what? I haven't had an answer, but I think I'm thinking I'm back now. And you're like, Oh no. <laughs> we've got, we've got three guys killed by a pencil wick. We, 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 we went too far. <laughs> I will say that is. But what is that? <laughs> I have to say that is my 
complaint about the first movie is that after all that, Vigo does the classic bad guy thing where he doesn't kill John Wick when he has the chance. He's just like, I'm going to walk out of this room. Everything will be fine. I was like, did you learn? And then on top of that, then he goes off and he kills his buddy, Willem Dafoe. I'm like, did you not learn anything from the first hour of this movie? You have taken no lessons away from any of the terrible things that have happened. Did you not do exactly what your son did that you punched him in the, the gut for three times? Exactly. I'm like, I, I feel like the way they said it, I was like, I feel like he wouldn't do that. But I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll I get it. it. But I'm like, come yeah, on. I go. agree completely. <laughs> I think, I think that was that scene and the fight with him and Wick at the end were the easily the weakest part of the movie. I mean, Wick should have just completely annihilated him at the end. But they had to make it an ending with, you know, the whole thing. But that was easily the weakest. He's an old man. He's not that good. He should have, we should have crushed him. But, you know, I get how you got to end the movie and all that stuff. But, like, yeah. th- you're right. Th- those were the soft points of the film for sure. I think the, the whole thing, you, you really did have to have kind of a climax because the way they took Alfie Allen out was so inconsequential i mean it was the way it had to go you know john wick against alfie Alfie allen was going to be like him swatting a mosquito and it kind of was like he just walked up shot him and that was game that was it we're done yeah i mean i like that they made that a nothing they didn't give him a chance to talk they didn't do anything that was the john wick i expected and then it was i think that's why it kind of felt soft at the end where five moves get him out of there walk away but i mean he needed to go into he needed to go into whatever sort of veterinary establishment that was to right. get the next dog to move on. I mean, you had to have the dog, so you have to have an excuse to go into some sort of veterinary clinic. Totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's the one thing this movie was missing, and I thought that's where they were going to go initially with you know mayhem, is that you were going to have the odd job character, the real kind of you know badass secret assassin, the, the Gina Carano from Deadpool. If you want to go back to to that, mm-hmm. you know where you've got like the the big obstacle before you take out the. But no, it was just okay. Well, we'll just wipe him out, and then we'll get rid of the old guy, and that's that. So I kind of liked that they they circumvented it. But yeah, well, I think that's where. And that's why I see Adam's point that if you go into the second one with, you know, Ruby Rose and the other characters who feel more formidable in the second and third movies, this was so much more contained. And then you got to the bigger characters um, that you got to Iron Chef America. Um, uh, Listen, uh, I recognized him via his eyebrows. I was like, <laughs> I recognize those eyebrows. My mom's like, what? <laughs> Just hold up a yellow pepper underneath. See? See? First of all, Iron Chef. <laughs> like two, Double Dragon. And three, I forgot the name of the movie, but it's the Capoeira one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot the name of that, too. You have the twins of the third one, too. I mean, and you have that yeah. whole um, big battle um, where it's Keanu and Halle Berry, and they take out the one guy, and then they just fight a lot of the goons. And even that seemed, you know, like a bit of a, a stretch of them getting out of there. So it wasn't necessarily like the big boss battle or sub boss yeah. battle, but it was definitely intense. <sighs> we haven't talked about John Leguizamo at all, by the way. <laughs> I love him. I don't love right? me John Leguizamo. Yeah. <laughs> I almost brought up that that was the fanfic I wanted to see was John Leguizamo and David Patrick Kelly going on adventures. 
So we're, we're all going to go after this. We're all going to go write some wick fic. And, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's another one. Like when Aurelio's talking, Aurelio, John Leguizamo talking to the son when he's saying, oh, you stole his car. And then he punches the son in the face. Yeah. It's all that stuff. And Leguizamo sold the whole thing too. You know, Leguizamo did a great job selling. I think that's Speaking of wrestling. He sold hard. <laughs> he did sell that hard. I popped for that. Um, exactly. so this is the thing that I found interesting because you could have filled those roles with anybody, you know, it could have been, you know, random law and order actor one, two, three, and four, and it wouldn't have mattered. Right. Um, but instead you got John Leguizamo, you got Ian McShane, you got, you know, Clark Peters as, as, as Larry of all people, you know, like he's Lance, interesting. Lance Reddick. Yeah. The, the Lance supporting Reddick. cast of this is just phenomenal. Yeah, right. And I Lance do feel Reddick like, awesome. I'm also going to throw Dean Winters since we've only referred to him as Mayhem in this podcast. I'll do credit. We'll name him since he's fantastic of Oz and 30 Rock. Um, this is also misbehaving law and order SVU detective. Well, yes, yes. Let's see, I, man. You haven't been on an episode of Law and Order. Can you call yourself an actor? Oh. <laughs> We're watching the entirety of SVU. Don't don't blaspheme like that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, if you're in equity, you've been through there at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it could have been any rando, but instead there's a real gravity to it because of that, you know? And I think that's kind of an interesting way to create that world is that, you know, they really added layers to it. I mean, you kind of have to because Keanu, I mean, I love Keanu, but he's not doing any... You know, he's not winning Oscars from his acting from this because he, he's pretty much the man with no name. He's not speaking. He's just, you know, he, he's basically Jaws, you know. Um, Except for you see him through the whole film. Exactly. <laughs> or, oh, God, but he is like Jaws. <laughs> the murder machine. Yeah. What? <laughs> the, the one thing I read about this that I really enjoyed was, was it might have been... Um, Devin Faraci a million years ago when he entered, when he reviewed this movie he said you know it's kind of like Friday the 13th if if Jason Voorhees was the protagonist it's like <laughs> and I was like fuck yeah you're kind of right like he's just going through and killing everybody and you just want to see how he does it next and you're cheering for him you know and I'm like oh yeah that kind of makes sense so if you look at him like he's the murder machine but we're cheering for him you know Kind of, kind of the way we're not supposed to for Jaws or or Jason. I guess at a certain point you're supposed to cheer for Jason. Um, so in the fourth one, is he gonna is he gonna swing somebody into a tree with a with a sleeping, a sleeping bag? bag? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe my favorite kill in that movie. The fourth one is a Keanu, another Keanu Reeves rom com, actually, and he owns a dog shelter. Uh, John Wick Five. Yeah, Five just takes it. It's like you know, it's like Leprechaun in Space or Jason X. You know, we just go into completely different. Just mm-hmm. drop him in a brand new. <laughs> John, John Wick, Wick finds love again. <laughs> John Wick Five is just the lake house, but they've cut the credits off and just cut in John Wick Five credits. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, love the lake house. <laughs> Why are we twins? <laughs> I'm always sobbing by the end. I'm like, oh, they're together. 
I was gonna I was gonna joke that I don't know this movie exists. I know it exists, but I have no idea that you know it's good or not. I have such a blind I have such a blind spot for all these movies. Carrie, Carrie made me watch a movie. Now this was a good movie. It was Romancing the Stone with Michael Douglas from 1984. That is oh, very yeah. good. That's a lot of fun. It was very it good. But no, it was a movie where I never would have chosen to watch it. You know, Michael Douglas doing his best Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell impersonation from Escape from, uh, Escape from New York. Yeah, but, he, he, he does a very good, great value Snake Plissken. Like he, he, yeah, exactly. It's not quite there, but if you squint, it's close enough. Yeah. Uh, he's going to drag me to watch some more of these. Not, not that that was a pure romantic comedy, but she's going to drag me to more of these coming up. Yeah. I can see it in her face while we're recording this. If she tells you to watch Jewel of the Nile, you have other things to do. The Lake House <laughs> and Always Be My Maybe, two very good Keanu rom-coms. Just saying. Okay. Always Be My Maybe was so, get, it was great. If I can get more Keanu Reeves in my life, that's, I think that's something I can get behind. Okay, my, so if you also want more Keanu, he will be in the new Spongebob movie. So. <laughs> as a tumbleweed. As a tumbleweed. <laughs> I think I saw a post online where somebody said, I love how he's been offered and turned down so many roles in the MCU, but he decides to be a tumbleweed in SpongeBob. I said, that man knows what's up. <laughs> That's why we love him. Right? You know <laughs> Do you know what's amazing about that tumbleweed? Do you know what that character's name is? I forgot. Sage. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn brilliant. <laughs> but my favorite Keanu rom-com is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That's fair. It's That's good. fair. You know, I, I wish I had crickets to put in there because that was that was <laughs> Oof, that boy. Oh boy, I I couldn't have bombed more. I on mean, that. he and Alex Winters are a perfect but pair. They really are. I'm very excited about the new one. Whenever it will come out. Now, whenever it comes out. Thanks, COVID. It'll be our <laughs> gift for for surviving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the ghost, Vanessa. <laughs> I like to think that, that Vanessa just glitches out the more gin she's had. Like, I, I think that's probably the good theory. There's a graph. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gin and the glitching. Uh, she goes, I have no makeup for this, so... <laughs> in person she's gonna be like speaking in binary she finishes her glass she's full vanilla blivon sweets that's that's the way it works so all all i can really say for sure is that (laughs) thank you chris for being responsible I, i am i am an uber john wick fan i love one i love two i love three and rest assured, no matter how I not, no matter how we come out of this crisis, and no matter my health at the time, I will drag myself to John Wick Four like that poor little puppy. I will drag <laughs> myself to the theater to see that movie because I love it that much, just as much as that puppy loved John Wick. I will be there for John Wick Four. You know, <laughs> I don't like the. I feel like the image for this podcast should be the faces that all of us just made while Chris was talking. It's like a Disney movie. We started tragic and tragic. 
Like, I love how everyone just says it with such disgust. Okay. We got to be like, you know, when uh, Halle Berry goes like crazy because that jackass shot the dog and he's like, I get it. We all get it. (laughs) I 100% after the podcast, I'm going to cut in the Casey Kasem rave out where he talks about the death dedication thing just for that. I come out of the upbeat number and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. Favorite thing. One of the best clips ever. Yeah. (laughs) Told you about this before. I can't come out of an upbeat number. (laughs) Yeah. Where are those pictures, Don? Yeah, it's it's the best thing in the world. I have Uh, another question before we wrap this up. Yeah. So we we talked about how the universe, like how they they slowly, you know, they build on it in each movie, but Do you have to be like a tatted up like rocker with piercings in order to work at that like wherever they do the whole kill list? Oh, the kill like did you have to be part of a screamo band in order to get in there? Like you have to submit <laughs> your SoundCloud in order to yeah. get the job. <laughs> they recruited at Warp Tour, right next to the Vans tent. <laughs> I was just confused. I just Aesthetically, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanted it to be said because I didn't want to <laughs> leave that in my head. <laughs> you know what it was? If you didn't make the extras in Blade 2, you got to be there. <laughs> Another classic. God, I love that movie too. Blade I do love Blade 2. Yeah. I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So I want to thank you again, Chris, for coming in. And uh, do we have any less thoughts? I mean, you gave us the best one. I don't know if any of us can can top it. Um, I think think really it's, if if you're a real action movie fan, you haven't watched these for some godforsaken reason, please go get them on whatever service that you want to get them on. Watch one, watch two, watch three. Um, But I think it's, I think the reason why I just love it so much is it, it's so true to what it is. It doesn't hide what it is at all. It doesn't try to be cooler than it actually is. Everything about it feels like they're not trying too hard. And I, I think that's everything that I love in a movie is it, it's contained in its own universe. Maybe its universe gets a bit unwieldy towards the third one but it feels like they've really developed something that you can believe in and that, you know, next time it comes around, you're going to eagerly go to the theater at least once or twice or three times and watch it in the biggest screen possible. Absolutely. Would you say it's the type of movie where a father could take their child (laughs) and start building action movies with them? I do. I do demand that Matt brings his child to watch this next movie in the theater. I will sneak him out. I'll make sure you're there with me, so we have plausible deniability. Chris said I had to. Yes, two two, two men and a baby in a theater watching people. Over and over. Exactly. Dad, what's happening? I don't know, but it's fucking awesome, isn't it? Um, Look at the blood. <laughs> You don't see blood like that at home, do you, son? <laughs> so vibrant. Can't get this from Frozen. <laughs> oh, so with that, did you have anything you wanted to plug before we go, Chris? 
Oh, well, you can find me on, <laughs> you can find me on the Food About Town podcast. I've been interviewing uh, people around the restaurant scene in Rochester for the last few years. I've got a bunch of content uh, coming out uh, in the next few weeks during our coronavirus crisis, talking about how we're all passing time and different opportunities out there. So I've got more content coming out, really enjoying that. Find me on the, the new Rochester Food Net. And if you're interested in local sourcing, my startup, frankly, otherwise I'm sitting at home just like everybody else is. <laughs> well, we're, we're just sitting at home kind of biding our time. Um, we do have a film festival. It's coming up. Um, it's in November, November 12th through the 15th. As of right now, we're still going to do it in person. I think we plan on seeing everybody in the theater. Uh, and we want you to be there. Uh, check us out. We're at anomalyfilmfest.com. Um, Chris, I think you were one of our, our iron men last year. You made it through pretty much everything we showed, right? Oh man. I, I had such a great time. Um, it was such a, such an amazingly curated festival. The theater was great. They treated us so well, amazing vegan snacks for somebody who's a relatively newly converted, converted vegan. And it's, it was such an amazing experience from top to bottom. I can't say enough about it to you and the rest of the crew. Um, I mean, not to dive into the whole festival, but I mean, that Laotian movie was just one of the best things that I've seen in the last year. I love it so much. Adam, that must warm your heart. That I think it that does. Was, yeah, I'm just glowing from the inside right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially throwing out for the long walk. So yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that got me misty-eyed. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you hear, hear, heard it here. We, we take you through all the emotions. There's, you know, sadness. There, there's longing. There's nausea. It, it's everything, really. It's the Anomaly Film Fest. Um, <laughs> horror goo! Hashtag horror goo. Uh, it's at the Cinema Theater. Keep an eye on us. We've got Anomaly Film Fest on all the social media. Anomalyfilmfest.com. Passes are available if you want to check it out. Um, last year, we had an absolute blast. I'm sure we'll, we'll... I mean, we have to top it. It's the sequel, right? If we've learned anything from John Wick, you, you, you build the world in year one, and then you just blow it the fuck out in year two. More is better. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, from from the Anomaly Presents crew, the Anomaly Film Festival, more is better. Wash your hands, stay safe, and go watch some fucking movies. Thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination.